When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk. I'm Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, and with me as always is Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and the beautiful Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts. Ahoy, ahoy. We're here to be three <laughs> knife makers trying to make it in this world, and we're here to do a weekly podcast to answer your questions, talk about things of the day, and put some lead in your pencil. Mm-hmm. How's everybody doing? Yeah, good. What's everybody been up to? Ooh, lots, lots. More hospital visits for me. Uh, oh, but no. Yeah. When I have got time to be in the shop, I've done a few chef knives and, and something I've never done before. So I worked on a, um, a charcuterie knife. Um, right. And that was a weird one because it's something I've, you don't really see many of. Um, so it was a case of going online to see what others had done, then do my own take on that, um, which basically ended up like <laughs> one of my bread knives without the serrations. That, that's my take on a charcuterie knife. Wow. Sure. Thin and flexible. You're getting the flex? Just, just about, yeah. It's still quite rigid. So it was one of those things where I was thinking, do, do I want... Because if you think, you know, a charcuterie knife, it's going to be used in two ways. One is going to be on a big, big old ham to cut off slices. Sure. And the other, which is how we use them more in France here, is just for small chorizos, that kind of thing, to, to cut them. Mm-hmm. So what in one way I was thinking, maybe this just needs to have a bevel on one side, just so you can get some really nice, thin, straight-line slices... Um, or double beveled. So I made two, um, but the yeah, the single bevel just didn't work out at all. So yeah, it's too. Uh, it, it directs the cut too much. From what I've understand from meat cutters, they like actually they like a flat fifty fifty grind because that mm. way it cuts where they want it to cut instead of any kind of weird steerage coming or going on because of an uneven bevel or a single bevel. Um, so. Meat cutters, eh? Meat cutters. Meat cutters. Oh, that's what we call them. Or this, my brother was a meat cutter. <laughs> what have you been up to, Jeff? Well, I have, uh, I've been crazy, and luckily for me, the return of the prodigal son, Carl Childs, my former intern's back. And that oh, has been... Carl Childs is he is he is my enigma. He's fantastic. He's this kid <laughs> who was my intern last uh, winter, and he did this senior project about knife making, and I was his mentor. And he 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 really I can't tell you why, but he really loved hand sanding. Like he understood it, and it got to the point where when you talk to him, he's very direct. He's very thoughtful, but philosophical. You can tell that there's a lot going on that mind. When he says something, he doesn't use words, you know, flimsily. He just like, Mm. he's very intense. So when he came back, it was really great. And the funny thing is, is he, um, he's got something on it. He's got a car, a white car, and he's got a bumper sticker on it. And it's so not 
I didn't think it was like him because I, I just generally think that bumper stickers are I think they're awful. I, I'm not interested in what you have to say on your, the back of your car. And I, I always think that it's ridiculous and, you know, just it just makes no sense to me. But he had this bumper sticker that I loved and it said, honk if you don't exist. Uh, deep. Yeah, deep. super deep. So I, so I was on the phone with my business partner and I looked at them and I was like, Tony, Carl's got a bumper sticker that says honk if you don't exist. I got to break his balls. So I went back into the shop. He's hand sand. He doesn't say a word. He just hand sands. And I said, Carl, you got to talk to me about that bumper sticker. And he goes, did you like it? And I said, yeah, I loved it. I hate bumper stickers, but I love that. And he says, well, I got it in, at an ashram. I said, an ashram? I said, do you go to ashrams? And he goes, well, you know, I've been to a couple ashrams. You know, an ashram is basically a monastery where you're, you know, you give all your worldly possessions away and you give off a life of, you know, being a monk or something like that. So I said, Carl, is this something you'd be interested in doing? Would you be interested in like staying at an ashram? And he just looks at me quietly. There's a big <clears throat> pregnant pause and he goes... Depends on the ashram. And he went back to hand sanding. How old is this kid? He's like, he just turned 19. He's fantastic. He's he's thin, it. long, thin. He's very thoughtful. But it's like, it's like kind of like this strange Holden Caulfield with not so much, you know, yammering on. He's been big on social media this week. Everybody wants a bit of Carl. Yeah, I know. I've been telling him. He's all fired up. He thinks he's going to see. He's going to, he's, he got hit up by... He got hit up all over the world. He got hit up by a lot of guys. He's all fired up. He's got to keep that ego in check if he's going to be hanging out at ashrams. He's he's he is perfect for an ashram. He's 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 <laughs> quiet it. and thoughtful. He he's very uh, efficient with his his language and his words. And he's just there's a lot going on in that brain that I'm a little afraid of. He's yeah. he's he's the yin to your yang. Oh, that's a hundred percent sure. You know, the funny thing is, is I'm trying to kind of make him laugh every so often. I'll say something, I'll get nothing, zero, I'll get nothing from him. But then he'll laugh at the weirdest stuff. Like I was drilling, I was making a sanding j- a deck, and I was using the countersink to drill into the deck so I could put, uh, countersink some screws. And I was drilling, and I didn't put the the countersink in tight enough in the chuck, and it just fell out. And he laughed. That was the funniest thing he'd ever seen in his life. I was like, I'm giving you my best shit, and you're all you're doing is laughing at a countersink falling out of the drill? He's my enigma. Leave him alone. Mareko, what have you been up to? I've seen your stories. You've had a few failures this week, which you've been working through. Oh, my God. I've had a few, few failures these last couple of months, but it's finally starting to come together. Uh, I've been really like, whenever I make a mistake, I dial back uh, my work uh, the, my, how fast I work basically. So it's definitely stretched things out a little bit on this build, but, uh, they're coming together really nicely. It's a stainless steel Wootz, uh, chef's knife with a forged integral bolster. It's got a Koa Saya and a Koa handle. Everything came from the same piece of wood originally. Uh, I think I talked about it actually like last week, split the handle off, sent it out to be stabilized. And um, it's it's all come together really well. And uh, so the next thing is just I need to actually get Carl over to the shop to do some hand sanding on the stainless steel woods. Uh, but ser- I can't have him. You know, He's not far. It's only it's only a couple hours. You, you can't um, have him. You're I got to be in, you're in line. <laughs> um, but the, this woods is super wear resistant. So uh, especially the stainless steel woods, and it's just it's. You gotta throw. You gotta put that elbow grease in it. Get it done. But uh, I do understand where uh, Carl is coming from. Sometimes with the hand sanding, uh, just he just gets into a zone. It sounds like, and I kind of do the same thing um, because 
The, the problem is the hand sanding sucks, but you got to be really good at it if you're going to set yourself up properly for the next step. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand. But I'll get into that later. Well, just how hard, know, how hard also, the work is. It's, it's, you know, it's, it is meditative, but you do have to have a degree of like for your brain, your mind, you have to have some, some like milestones. So, you know, when you're going to be finished, like I get messages from guys about hand sanding. They're just like, well, I just don't know when I'm done. And if you create some milestones in regards to what you're trying to do, it makes it a lot easier. Like when I used to run marathons, I needed to run the same course. So I, when I was at mile nine or mile 10, I knew where mm-hmm. I was in regards to the 24 miles. Like if you don't have right. any milestones in regards to where you, when you're changing grits and how you're going to change, it becomes, you know, you're exhausted because you just don't know how far away you are to the end. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. For Makes, sure. What do you guys do when your hand sanding? Do you listen to music? Do you, you know, what, what, what gets you going? I mean, maybe for Carl, it's, Buddhist monks and, and their hymns. I don't know, but what what keeps you in that zone? Chance. He's doing chance. Chance. Uh, I <laughs> myself. I I listen to music. I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I listen to nothing. It just it depends on what mood I'm in. Um, mm. Lately, I've been listening though to a lot of uh, books on tape and stuff like that. So yeah. it just helps pass the time more than anything. Because <laughs> yeah. realistically, like, the hand sanding only requires maybe you know you got to be careful so you're not cutting yourself up on it. But, you know, 40% of your brain is available to hear stuff, at least for me. Yeah, that's really the only time I don't have earplugs in is when I'm hand sanding because it's, uh, yeah, the, I, I really, I'm against listening to stuff when you're on uh, machines in general. That was something I learned from my old, an old shop I was at. But for hand sanding, yeah, you, you can, you know, figure out a way to kind of get yourself squared away. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, this week, I know we... We've had a bit of a change of a plan, haven't we? So something was going down, and that's changed in the last couple of hours. So we don't have a Jeff Investigates. No problem. Boo-hoo. But we do have... Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) That's Morgan Freeman. You got Morgan Freeman this time. Morgan's back. I can't believe you got him. Well, the bar was set high with Jay-Z last week, but um, his his lawyers have been in touch. He doesn't want to be used on the show anymore. So Morgan reached out and we thought, hey, we'd give this guy a chance, you know? Well, I, just, to, just to be clear, I got a little bit of hate mail from one person in regards to the too, much, too many, uh, <laughs> hey, man, can I ask you a question? And, and you know who you are. You got my number. I'm about to block you. We're going to not go as crazy <laughs> as we did before, but... We're trying to be mildly entertaining. I got a lot of positive feedback about it. Oh, like you did? Well, I then... to thought it was hilarious. Even yeah, though I was the one poo-pooing it the most last episode, I feel <laughs> well, like. Well, then, Everybody with, that loved said, it. with that said, hey, Damascus Dave, you're out. It's over. We're not listening to you anymore. <laughs> oh, Lose DK. my phone number. Oh, this guy, he's a good buddy of mine. I'm not going to go into it. He's a good buddy of mine. He's part of the Modern Forge team, but boy, does he have comments. So he started sending me messages. you got to cut it out with the jingles. Hey, Guess what? If Mareko says we got a good response, we're keeping it going. So keep going on that jingle. <laughs> I love it. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There we go. He's back, baby. All right. You, so, you know, just, just before we kick off, you mentioned the Modern Forge then, uh, yeah. Jeff. Um, t- tell me a bit more about that. What, what, you know, I know it's a bunch of you, but what's the plan? What, well, where, where are you going well, with that? Well, 
it was it, it really is the brainchild of Cliff Dufton, CJ Dufton, and uh, John Ariane, Sunset Forge, my two buddies, um, not not too far from us that were the Moreco's buddies with two, and they're blacksmiths, and they had the opportunity. Crazy to, talented. Oh, I mean, it's like it's in, it's ridiculous. What I mean, it's the stupid. two of them it's together. Ridiculous. It's like yeah. it's a little bit absurd how talented the, and they're, it's like they're also like the Laurel and Hardy of the blacksmithing world, but they're like super because <laughs> they just yell at each other all the time. It's actually pretty humorous. But so they got asked, we got asked to do Maker's Fair. I kind of said it a couple of months ago, and then they wanted what they wanted to do is they invited me down to help, uh, kind of like you know do it, you know talk, help uh, escalate things and whatever. And we just he didn't want to call it. Cliff Dufton, they want to call it Sunset Forge. They try to create this kind of uh, like a community of our friends. It's usually the guys who we do a we do a hammer in with with Jesse Savage and his wife Carrie and um, Rick Barter and Dave will be there. And so we're just it's really just like this. I guess it's we're just like a collect. I don't know, I like to say collective. I like to say a blacksmithing team. So we're you know it's fucking. I mean, pardon me, but it's crazy. It's it was such a huge success and. So we're, uh, you know, we're like a blacksmithing team. Nice. Sounds like an Olympic team. Well, it's Olympic better than a collective. A collective yeah, is yeah. like, I mean, all right. <laughs> Sounds like an ashram. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no, there's no, yeah. You're absolutely right. So uh, we're, uh, we're a uh, blacksmithing team. So that's the end of that. But sure. thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Follow those guys on Instagram. Uh, you can watch our things. And we talked about it on the last episode of the Blacksmith's Pub. John was telling you all about the Maker's Fair and Modern Forge. So blah, blah, blah. So <clears throat> I thought what I'd do for the questions this week is I would try to get more chefs involved. Because, you know, we most of our listeners are cooks. Uh, most of our listeners are knife makers. And I just thought it would be nice to hear from chefs in regards to what they like, what they don't like. A lot of times there's a lot of information that they don't know. So I thought what I'd do is I'd try to get some questions from cooks and chefs and stuff like that. Good idea. Good idea. Because you know? the three of us make culinary knives. Right. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It puts up more of an audience that are cooks, chefs, people interested in food. Right, and so sure. at some point, at some point down the line, I mean, we're doing once a week, and we could squeeze something in. Some, I got some <laughs> EDC guys who are just like, "How come you don't do a lot of EDC?" So we might have to, we might have to lump some in because you know, there people want to know. Yep, sure, sure. That's everyday carry for you culinary guys. All right, so <laughs> the first question is from um, at underscore have underscore been underscore stopped. Have you been stopped? And he wrote, not quite a pro, but want to know how companies can make shit knives but still sell enough to go, not go bankrupt. Mm. Is it, do you think he's referring to, like, commercially manufactured stuff? Generally speaking, yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's all, unfortunately, it's about the marketing and the branding for especially those big companies who, you know, when it comes to knives and different price points you kind of get what you're paying for and when you get a 20 knife block set from marshall's or whatever you're not necessarily getting the best steel um but i think it's it's they're leveraging branding mm. and mm. it's unfortunate because i wish people would just focus on making great shit and that's it yeah yeah and i think a lot of people don't know what a great knife is They'll 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 buy a knife or they'll be given a knife or maybe as a gift, as you say, uh, quite often a, a block set. 
And, you know, they don't know the difference between a good knife and a bad knife. Most most of my family members, their knives are terrible. They're not sharp. But they they don't give it thought. We obsess over knives because it's our job. But they, they, they just pick something up, they use it, and they don't give it a second's thought, you know? Well, can I take a different stab at it? Which is funny that I say that, but I mean, I, I I have a different opinion about it. I, I'm also I'm also of the mind of I'm not I'm not sentimental about all this stuff. And part of me says, part of me thinks that you know people got to do whatever it takes. And a lot of times, people don't think about you know no one's thinking about the steel. Like your your everyday consumer is just like I just got to cut my sandwiches for my kid, mm. you know. That's a good and, point. You were you were kind of making that point last week. Essentially being like, you know, people need to or should be looking for something that's going to suit their life. Right. And that's a point that I wasn't getting during the podcast last week. Well, I mean that was that actually was part of when I did the Epicurious video, we had some long conversations in the beginning and I said to them you know, the whole idea of those Epicurious videos was to say one is better than the other, and you have to just explain why one's better than the other. And I made it very clear that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell the people watching that you have to spend more money on a knife just mm. because I'm telling you to. I, I think that I think that we also get, and I was like, and I'm not gonna, you know, shit on other companies. And I feel like, you know, when you start to tell people that they have to spend a lot of money on something. I just I'm not 100 percent sure that that's the right way to go. What do right. you think? Yeah, I think people should people should make choices based on you know what's their budget look like, what can they afford, what's going to best suit their life. You know, like you were saying last week. You know, if you're cutting up all kinds of stuff and you got kid like five kids running around, like you don't have the time to necessarily stop and take proper care of a knife or something like that. So you're going right. to probably want something that's more stainless steel. If you're going to want something that is also easier, kind of just more user-friendly, stain, uh, kind of a softer, stain, even like a European softer stainless steel, it's probably going to be more suitable for you because it's going to be easier for you to maintain yourself with the honing rod that's included in the knife block or whatever. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I feel like what you're basically saying is like, you know, you should get the knives that suit you best for where you're at in your life. Right. And, and I, I, you know, I also, I'm all of the mind that if you're, you know, you're looking for a commuter car, you don't necessarily need a Ferrari. You know, I, I think that no. a lot of times, like when I talk to chefs, I have a couple of friends of mine who are chefs in Peekskill. When I go to the kitchen, I talk to them actually before I did the Epicurious video, I spent a lot of time with them. They're knife guys. And when I looked at their, you know, they have on a sheet rack, they have a tray and on that tray is, is side towels. And on top of the side towels are their knives. And I was, I look at their knives and most of them are not, you know, they're not, they're regular, they're Mac, you know, some of them are Mac knives. There's a couple of Wustoffs, there's a couple of Chinese, you know, Chinatown uh, sushi knives. And then there's a couple of, you know, $300, $400 knives. But like right. I, I find that especially with like cooks, a lot of cooks aren't going to necessarily want to bring their, you know, Momasi Fire Arts integral knife to the kitchens because you know that thing's going to walk. <laughs> it's going to grow true. some legs. I mean, that's what happens in the kitchens. I mean, they tell you For don't sure. put. That's why they give you lockers. I mean, that, I mean, what what you know when you're an accountant, they don't give you a locker at your office. You know, they give you right. lockers at the kitchen because they don't trust these motherfuckers. <laughs> and I'd say for the for the home cook, the best knife is the knife of, that they've got to have in their hand. So exactly, go. Th- most people have a drawer full of old knives. Go through them, throw out all of your old shitty knives. That way, you're going to be forced <laughs> to use your best knife each time. Wow, that's some that's some deep that's some ashram thinking right there. That's some bringing it back. 
Holy cow. <laughs> Carl Childs of Knife Talk. All right, I think that was a good that was a good answer. So let's go on to and you know, you guys stop me if we've had enough and you know, I'm with you. All right. This is interesting. Nah, it's not that interesting. It's fine. All right. So <laughs> at Eddie underscore any Eddie 281 writes, I dislike when my knife has a great shape, but isn't sharp enough to cut meat without tearing it. Sad face emoji. <laughs> Sad face. Who's going to jump needs in? To sh- just needs to show up in the knife. Surely. Yeah, that's, I, that's I exactly. That's what I was going to. I was waiting for someone to say, like, wait a second. This guy's got to sharpen his knife. Yeah. Well, and again, if you're looking for something that is going to hold a really fine edge and isn't going to have kind of the tear, like when you're looking at sushi knives, like the the way the meat is cut, the the fish is cut, whatever it is, is part of the actual presentation. You don't want a bunch of torn up fibers of meat through that, and so you want something that's going to be able to take a really fine edge. And while it may have the shape of what looks like a sushi knife, doesn't necessarily mean it's made from the kind of steel that's going to take a really great edge to offer the presentation that you want from a sushi knife. But cutting meat, cutting raw meat is completely different than cutting vegetables. Right. You're getting, you're, you, when you're cutting meat, you're actually like releasing the tension. And it's like, it's like you only, almost only need, you don't have to have a razor blade for raw meat. You know, you can, that's why I, my first knife was a hunting knife and he wanted a very thick knife with just a, you know, a big beveled edge. And he just like, when he's cutting open, you know, he's, you know, field dressing the animal, he's just looking to score it and separate out the muscle right. and he's not, you know, but I guess you're right. That, that, that That's not, that, that's a difference. That's a big difference between that. And yeah, that it's sushi. A, yeah. It's about getting work done versus presentation. It's not, I right. feel like he's leaning more to about the presentation side of things. Yes. And yeah. If like when it, when it comes to prepping and you're, you know, you're breaking down proteins and portioning them out, like you don't need a really nice fine edge. Pl- there are plenty of edges that'll do that job. You could even use a serrated knife, but when it comes to the actual presentation, you need something, a type of steel that's going to take a fine edge. That's going to help help with that presentation and again uh, there are a lot of knives that look like sushi grade knives or really high quality grade knives but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have the quality of steel that's going to be able to offer you that presentation mm. in your mm. when you're slicing the meat but yeah i mean the right essentially it's it's i think it comes down to the right tool for the job i think you make a good point when you talk about <laughs> the difference between presentation and whether you're dealing with raw meat um, I've got this beef, and we're going to talk more about beefs later. Not not beef in a sense of meat, but beef as in something that really winds me up. And that we is got some beef, baby. People who use these big, big sort of butchers choppers um, when they're just cutting meat, or you know, or maybe even vegetables, they're going to have a completely different edge to what you need. So maybe mm. that he could be talking about something like that. He's saying it's not sharp enough to cut the meat without tearing it. Maybe he's yeah. using this big, big chopper. Or he's using a knife upside down. Possibly, Mm. possibly. And I know even in London, there's there's a big, very famous steak restaurant in London, and they give their diners a little cleaver to eat the steaks with, and it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, so you got to post something up about that on the Instagram because I need I need to know what you're talking about. Yes, I I I I don't want to embarrass them and say who they are, but I will get a picture and send across. It sounds it just sounds very intriguing. It, this could well be a case of him simply using the wrong knife, as you've already said. 
I've been asked to make a kitchen axe, and I immediately said, go beat it. I'm not making anything like that. Go li- leave it alone. Go to the hardware store. For the warrior chef. <sighs> yeah. Leave me alone. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, baby. All right. So this goes from um, at off to Saigon. He says that he hates a non-rounded spine that digs into your hand. And I've heard this a I, lot. I agree. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, especially even if you buy a knife from a culinary store or something like that, or a retailer, whoever is a sharpener, even if you have a stone yourself, guess what? You can round off those spines if that's what you want. Um, but I agree. I mean, as a, I guess the broken corners is what I right. commonly call them. Mm, exactly. Is what uh, is is a standard I think now from most, most all custom makers. And I, I think some production comp, uh, manufacturers are starting to do that more too, because they're recognizing not only is it a trend, but it just makes more sense. Right. You don't need to, to work that much harder or, or endure that much more, whatever uh, agony to, to get the work done. A lot of people pride their calluses and you know what, whether or not the spines round or, or hard or hard cornered, it's still going to give you a callus, so don't worry about that. But there's no need for it to be sharp, and anyways. No, 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 no. That's that's something I actually made a, a knife a long time ago for a chef friend of mine, and I broke the corners like r- crazy, like almost made it like a radius uh, spine. And he, it was like it was like I had opened uh, some sort of door to heaven to him. He was like, I couldn't. Be- I mean, he's a chef for a long time, and he was just like, I couldn't believe that you could do that. And I was like, What are you, are you oh, out of your mind? Live a little, kid. I mean, geez, Louise. But so yeah. So I definitely, I definitely break all the corners of the spine because when you're in that pinch grip, you want to make sure you, uh, you're all, uh, you're not like, you know, cutting your hand up. But also, I also do a big, uh, do the same thing with the heel because my knives generally don't have a big bolster like a wide bolster like a Wustoff does. So I make sure that I make sure a friend of mine. One a long, long time ago, I made a knife for a friend of mine, and he was just like, hey, "Do you think you could do something with this heel? The heel's cutting into my hand." I was just like, "Oh yeah, you're only." I never even th- thought about that. And now I make sure that I make the the spine and the heel. I break the corners, even if it's just a little bit, just enough so it's not like mental patient time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the spine, I mean, it doesn't have to be a big, big radius. I simply just use a Scotch Brite belt and just and just take exactly. those edges off. Simple exactly. As that, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what the that tiniest usually... little yeah makes a huge difference. And again, if you don't have access to somebody who can do that, you can do it yourself on a sharpening stone. Right. Um, but I, ideally, uh, you have a so maybe if you have somebody that you take your knives to to sharpen, that's also something they hopefully can do. Um, but I also want to give uh, some props to I think Mr. Bob Kramer is the one that might have led that because I'd never seen that anywhere before. I mean, before I'd seen his work, and I'd never seen it in a commercial knife until after he was starting to do his commercially ran stuff. Because that was one of the things he really insisted on uh, when he uh, when he was doing that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, even now, you know, we we buy a Wustoff knife; it still has those really crispy corners from off the machine. Right. That's usually what the last thing I do before after hand sanding is I just clean up the spine and break those edges and you know before I I start to get ready for the handle. That's like usually the last thing I do. For sure. All right. So here is here is Hartman one one two eight. What type of knife would you recommend for someone just learning some knife techniques? 
I mean, that's going to depend on what you know what he uses knife for. Generally, if he's you know if he's if, if we're talking specifically kitchen knives, um, I'd say just get a you know five to seven inch chef's knife. And like we talked mm. about last week, just buy a bag of onions or carrots and just just dice, just julienne, and just and just just practice that way. Yeah, I agree. I, I was going to say eight inch chef's knife is kind of me a, too. It, from a for at least Western style. It's kind of a standard uh, length that I find a lot of people reaching for because it's not so big that it's, uh, I guess, I, don't, I can't even think of the term. It's just, you know, overwhelming or, or people are afraid to use it. But it's also not so small that you, you're you not getting as much work done as you would like uh, in one pass. Um, but, yeah, I th- I would say just an 8-inch chef's knife and whatever one is available, start practicing. Yeah, eight-inch chef knives are good because they're also they're good for your cutting board size, and and um, mm, you know for overall eight inches, eight inches isn't going to go flying off the side of your your cutting board. And w- one thing that I've noticed, especially uh, a few years ago, uh, people don't have any idea of the lengths of knives. Like I would get I would get a uh, uh, email from a guy who said I want a twelve-inch chef's knife, and all I'm thinking like. <laughs> You you clearly don't realize that that's you don't know what you're talking about. Oh no no, I only use twelve inch chef knives. And I'm like, yo, that's like a machete. You ain't gonna do it with a machete. You gotta you know that's the tip to the heel. And I've always had a nothing but problems when people give me millimeters. I like a gear. I like a two hundred and seventy two hundred and forty four millimeter. Ugh, now I gotta break out that goddamn <laughs> app where you transfer. What, people don't like to say five sixteenths. They like to say millimeters. It's, oh, I hate that. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I really wanted to bring up. I got a nice message from a friend of ours. His name is Mert Tansu of Tansu Knives. Mert makes incredible knives in uh, Australia, and he's a dynamite guy. I met him at the Blade Show. Uh, this past year, and he used to be a chef. So one thing that he said to me that he hates, and I thought this was interesting, was he said he says okay, and he got angry. I had to like, I had to like make the make the comment a little bit tighter. Okay, one of my biggest arguments I kept getting in regards to carbon steel blades from fellow chefs was when you use them, they look dirty, meaning they patina, and stainless look clean. In short, they can leave the stainless blade dirty longer. Is that even an advantage? I keep telling them to leave the industry because they don't have pride in the, or take care of your tools. So <laughs> I, I, I got the feeling that what he was getting to was if you're using a carbon steel knife, you're a little bit more, especially in a professional kitchen, you're a little bit more aware of your knife. But when you start to go with the stainless steel, you're getting sloppy. Like you're not, you're, 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 you're letting your, like, you're letting your stomach out a little bit because you know that it, you don't have to worry about the patina. Right. That's a weird one. Surely if you're, you don't really care what your knife looks like so much if you're in a production environment. You just, it just needs to do the job and you need to make sure it's clean and it's, it's hygienic. Um, If you're worried about the knife is looking. I don't think he was worried. I think that, I think that he was basically saying that, you know, the mindset of the chef in a, in a kitchen is keep your knife clean and, and mm. it, it'll, it'll, you know, as long as you keep your knife clean, that's the most important thing you're looking at. Because you have to maintain your carbon steel knife, you have to constantly wipe it down and stuff like that. That means that you're kind of on top of your shit. 
And when yeah. you start to go into like, all right, well, I'm going to laze it up a little bit with the stainless steel. I don't have to worry about it like patinaing and then the patina is going to, you know, it's going to show me what I've been doing all day. I think it was like, it was totally like, it was an ethics and purist thing of like, you know, stop being lazy, clean your knives. If you need to, if you need something to be lazy about, beat it, get out of this industry. Right. Well, I think, I think that point is perfect. Like whether it's stainless or whether it's carbon, you got to keep, especially in a kitchen, like a professional kitchen, when you're not at home, you're working for a job, you got to keep that thing clean. And just because it's not showing that it's dirty or anything like a stainless would, you still got to be on top of it. Whether, again, whether it's stainless or carbon, I think the advantage, uh, uh, like we kind of talked about with carbon last week is just that it just holds its edge that much longer and that much better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does develop a patina, but I, I personally don't mind the patina. In fact, the patina is a good thing because over developing a good patina uh, over a week or a month or something like that, depending on how much use you're putting into it, it's going to get to a point where it pretty much kind of stops unless you're working with some really aggressive food like an, a super acidic, uh, uh, like a lemon or something like that. Um, and, and if you leave stuff on it. But otherwise, the patina kind of gets to a point where it just stops. Um, and the, the performance advantage, especially in a production kitchen, if you, and again, it comes back to like how it fits your life. If you got the time to take care of a carbon steel in your kitchen, get a carbon. But if you don't, you know, you're going to, you're probably going to want to lean towards the stainless, but either way, you got to keep that thing clean. Do you think there's something to people being nervous about carbon steel because they don't have control over what's going to happen? It sounds like you get this nice knife that's all clean and shiny, but in your mind you think, well, it's about to not get clean and shiny. And the fact that you don't have a hundred percent control, you think it's a control issue as in like, I don't really know what's going to happen. And Right. You know, maybe that's something that makes things just like, all right, well, I just paid all this money for this and now it's got this big, you know, blue stain. And I just right. wonder if it's like this kind of like, you know, you're not prepared for that, uh, the inevitableness and, and also the randomness. Right. Well, and there are ways to either prevent the the patina, which is like kind of going back in with some sort of super mild abrasive and, and brightening the knife back up. But that takes some time and some elbow grease. You can also use like a subaki oil or what's also known as Camilla oil, which is a Japanese type of uh, Japanese manufactured oil that helps keep uh, that keep the patina down. <clears throat> but again, I I really like the patina. Uh, but if you don't like the randomness of it, there are ways to actually force a patina by using mustard or other vinegar or other kind of like acidic food safe things uh, to force a patina so that um, you have control over how that patina develops. And then once it's forced and it's on there, it again, just like building it up, it kind of doesn't really get affected unless you kind of get lazy with it and let acidic food or any kind of acidic whatever medium yeah. sit on the blade. Yeah, and that was my question, um, whether you get customers asking for a forced patina, and if so, what you guys do. So I personally would use hot vinegar um, and just leave it in there for maybe 20, 25 minutes, and it comes out as a nice dark, dark blade. Um, right. But generally, people want to put their own patina on anyway. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> you know, uh, what the feedback is with you guys, what people are asking for with you. I never get anybody asking for forced <laughs> Force patinas. Really? Right. Um, no, not yet. I never got asked to be do a force patina, but I once made a knife for a friend of mine, 
and I and I you know he was very specific. He wanted carbon steel, and and I sent it to him. And then twenty four hours after he received it, he sends me this picture, and it's covered in mustard. And this is before I knew what the, what was going on. I was just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is this guy doing?" And and then uh, next thing you know, he's just like, "Look at the force patina I put on." And I was just like, "All right, well." Great, congratulations! I was just like, I don't know what, what else? What I, I, I it was like, I, I didn't really understand what he was doing, and I was just like, well, oh, it's great, congratulations! And I was just shaking my head like you're a mental patient, but you know, it's fine. Go ahead. I like it. I've seen some good force patinas, blood but root for sure. Dave, David and Luke down there in in uh in uh Jesus, where are they? Uh, Atlanta or in Georgia? East of Atlanta, uh, they do a lot of force patina on their blades, and they do multiple layers. And it's crazy how it builds up, and it has like some depth to it. It looks really cool, um, but I've also seen some really bad ones too. And ultimately, like what's fun about the carbon steel is that there's more interaction with it. Like you can kind of customize it yourself, especially if you're playing with force patinas and stuff like that, or just kind of let it do a thing. It's I, I liken it to driving a stick shift versus an automatic. Carbon versus stainless. Marengo's notes to a new knife maker. <laughs> so, am I being electrocuted in that, or what's going on? Is that a Halloween not, thing? Is I'm it going to sure change? What it is? Not sure. I can't wait is. to hear what happens when Easter comes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this week for uh, notes to a young knife maker, um, I wanted to add on a couple notes that I, I didn't get to last week. Um, just because I forgot to, but the the respirator I was referring to because we were talking about PPE is a quick latch. It's a 3M quick latch. You can find it on Amazon for. I looked it up actually yesterday. It was like 16 bucks. So if you have access to Amazon and they'll send it to you, I highly advise advise those. Uh, the earbuds. I get a lot of people asking me about the earbuds that I use. They double as hearing protection. You don't. You can listen to stuff through them, but you don't need to. But they're memory foam. And they really block out the sound really well. Uh, the brand is it's Pfizer, and we're not getting sponsored by any of these or anything. These are just what I found that work best for me. And they're also on uh, the Instagram, uh, the Knife Talk Instagram. But it's the Pfizer uh, BHS, which is Blue Bluetooth headset, seven uh, fifties, and uh, they're really great. They're inexpensive, and they do a really good job blocking out noise. Um, and then my face mask, I just use a cheap face mask from Harbor Freight. Uh, but anyways, it's oh, go real, ahead. real quick about the ear protection. One thing I've been doing for a long time is I got the back in the day I used to get the uh, the ear muffs that had a radio in them, and then I realized oh, yeah. that you can get on Amazon you can get these tiny little like blue these little um, it's for your car like if you don't have Bluetooth obviously some cars don't have Bluetooth so you can actually sling. Right. You can listen to something based on the radio station. Like you, you put it, you plug it into your whatever, and then oh, yeah. you can play through the radio station. Well, those work also on your radio. So if you have right. one of those little guys, you can actually plug it in, and then you can sling whatever you're listening to to earphones that have uh, the the radio. But I also have the ones. I just got a pair of the Bluetooth, the 3M Bluetooth, and I love them. Mm. I love over the years because yeah. I, I usually those old little ones you stick in your ears. They always end up in my pockets, and they always end up in the washing machine. So I'm I yeah. suck at that. <laughs> well, and what's what's nice about the Bluetooth ones I use? They have little magnetic uh, pieces on the back of the earbuds, so you can sling it around your neck, and it sticks right there. It's not going to fall off unless you're doing something crazy. Um, and so, yeah, they stay. I've I've never had an issue with them falling off or needing feeling like I had to throw them in my pocket. 
right. but yeah, over ear. I play be back and forth kind of between over ear, over ear, and inner ear because sometimes, like my when I'm wearing inner ears, they feel like my skull's being crushed from the inside out. Right. But then it, the opposite's true with over ears sometimes. So I kind of I have to go back and forth between them. Just whatever you do, don't do that stupid thing where you stick your earbuds in your ears and then put the earmuffs on top of them. That's like the mm. worst. I, mean, I used to do that, and I was like, my ears would hurt, my head would hurt, and it was just like idiotic, totally idiotic. <laughs> don't do that. I I did try that once. It sucks. I didn't like it. It did suck. Uh, okay, so this week's Notes to a Young Knife Maker, I, and I know I've been calling him Notes to a Young Knife Maker, but it's really anybody who's just getting into knife making. Uh, but one of the things I, I find uh, a lot, uh, especially since Forge and Fire has helped bring uh, kind of smithing and knife making to the forefront of kind of pop cult- popular culture and stuff like that, is it's easy to romanticize. Same way like uh, co- competitive cooking shows have made uh, chefing look super sexy and, and really cool. Uh, but people forget that it's a lot of hard work. So that's something to really think about, especially when you're getting to, I mean, I say, you know, if you're interested, definitely try it out, especially if you don't know what you're doing with yourself and you just want to try it out. Uh, give it a go. Um, give it a good old, whatever college try your best college try. But, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, designing stuff like Jeff, you do the watercolors and you, there's a back and forth with the, with the designer or the person you're working with. And then, so that's awesome. Having a finished product is really awesome, but like the work in between is really hard and it's easy, especially like getting to the last little bits of the hand sanding and stuff like that to want to fudge it, just to get through it because it kind of sucks. Uh, Unless you're like a super masochist and you love doing all the hard stuff, it sucks. But the the thing to keep in mind is like you have to be good at all the little incremental steps so that you finish with a quality product. And if you, you know, you just don't have the temperament and the mindset to be able to do that, you know, maybe it's not for you, but I, I feel like this got really negative all of a sudden. Well, I, I guess you do whatever than, it takes. Yeah. You know, to be but, happy yeah. in life. Yeah. So I think, I guess my main point is to keep in mind, like, there is a lot of hard work that's involved in making really well-made, handmade knives. And again, it's just, just like pretty much anything. It's easy to romanticize until you get in it and start getting your hands dirty. Uh, But if you can get through that and you find that it is actually something that you love doing, the community is awesome, Um, meeting and getting to know other people, the constant challenges of the work is really great. Um, especially when it comes to working with customers and sometimes they request stuff that you never would have thought of trying or to attempt or anything like that. And it's really pushed me like, like this integral, uh, bolster Saya that I, I did. It's something I kind of had thought about for a long time. And finally I had somebody recently say, I want that. I want a Saya that covers the integral bolster because I want the grain to flow perfectly or as close to perfect between the handle and the Saya. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. Otherwise, you know, who knows how much longer I would have put that off. Uh, and now it's done. It exists in the world now. And so it's definitely rewarding. Uh, but it's also a lot of hard work. Well, I think that one thing that you're touching upon is, is one of the differences between you and I, which is I think that you're a destination person. That means that you're looking to get to the destination versus what I am a journey person. Like I enjoy the whole process 
down the way. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the process of one knife, but the process of being someone who's making something and learning along the way. I think that that kind of idea of growth every, you know, iteration of something that you're doing is what makes life worth living. I think that if you're just worried about getting, going into a, you know, you want to be a black belt as soon as you walk into the martial arts place. I don't think that, I think that you're losing sight of the, you know, the beauty of, you know, life is not, life is about this journey. It isn't about the destination because if, if you get to the end and it's the destination, maybe it's, it's toes up. It's time to go on the ground. You know, you spent way too much time with Carl. Way too much time. with. I love that guy. He's, he's got me centered. He's got me centered. I'm just saying that like, I, 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 I'm totally like a journey guy. Like I enjoy, you know, constantly learning. And it's interesting that you said what you said, because I see this with a lot of young blacksmiths where they they're doing these projects and it's almost like they're doing they're becoming blacksmiths they're following a recipe as opposed to understanding how you're hitting understanding you know the feeling it's that it's that 10,000 hours of kind of knowing what the steel feels like when you're hitting it or how hot it should be and and it's not necessarily about following a recipe it's more about kind of getting a feeling of what you're doing and kind of growing does that yeah. make sense yeah 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 and I think if you're doing the same thing every day, it's yeah, you're not growing. So I'm, for myself personally, I have a the the steak knife range. They're pretty much the same. It's almost a product, and we can just I can just get get them out They're the same every time. Um, but it's the custom work that I find interesting. And as you say, you're always growing doing the custom stuff. You're always taking different requests, and it's, it's just it's just more fun. It's just more fun. Yeah. So. Well, I change Absolutely. my design. I mean, sometimes I'm constantly <clears throat> changing the way I do things. Like my knives have evolved because I'll see something that I like, or like I had a woman who wanted a smaller handle because she got smaller hands, and I started making the handles a little smaller, and then I started realizing, you know what, I like that better. So I'm constantly like my designs are evolving to the point where that you you understand where they came from. But it's a constant growth. I'm not. I mean, my knives today from my knives from six months ago are are different. They're better now. Right. I've got, I've got a story. You you just mentioned about um, you made a knife for a, maybe a lady who had smaller hands. Right. Um, and <laughs> six or seven years ago, when I started making knives, I was like, man, I need a name. I can't just be you know. This is Craig who makes knives. So I'm trying to think of cool names. I'm thinking short names for domains. I'm thinking of the marketing later down the line, that kind of thing. So I had this list, and Chop Knives was on the list, just Chop. And I'm just like, nah, I'm never going to get that domain. So you, you have a look. It was registered to somebody, um, but they weren't using it. There was no website. There was no social media presence. You couldn't get hold of what were Chop Knives at the time. So I managed to find the the owner of the domain, and I sent him an email and just said, look, you don't seem to be using it. Is this something that maybe I could purchase from you and, and that kind of thing? And he mm. said that he was... He, He'd always dreamt he he'd made the odd knife, but he'd always always dreamt of setting up a company making knives specifically for women because they had smaller handles, and I, I thought that was just crazy and bizarre. But they never got around to it. Him, it was him and his brother. Um, but he, he actually he was a nice guy. He, he gave me the domain and the the Instagram handles and everything. It was all brand new. None of it had been used, and he gave it all to me for free. He said, "Look, I just haven't had the time. I, I haven't got around to this." Well, that was really um, nice of him. It was yeah, it was great. very nice of him, but yeah, that that was his original idea to have a company just making knives um, for females, which is it's a very sounds very uh, it's a choke you know, it's a choking demographic. It's really yeah. it sounds too narrow. Yeah. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. It's, it's a very sort of narrow field where you know yeah, 
50% of your audience has gone out the window already. Um, but I'm very glad it didn't work out for him because I've got the name and I love the name. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a good one. Well, and do, don't get me wrong. I guess it sounds like I hate knife making. I, I only I only no, like the beginning no. and the end. Um, no, 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 no. Know, I, <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess, I, but you do make a good point, Jeff, about um, constantly learning. And that's that's definitely one of the things I really appreciate, especially about, hand, like, I just learned recently, like, I've been using some sort of 3M sandpaper, and I just started using the Rhino Wet, and it oh my God. is day and night. I can't believe <laughs> it's taking you so long. It's taken me five years. I'm so such an idiot, and I've had you know I've I've watched Nick Wheeler's videos, and I've talked to other makers who love it and swear by it, and I'm just like, oh, I've been using this other stuff, and it works, but the amount of work, like it's just unnecessarily slogging through the hand sanding instead of it taking forever it can be that much more of a joy and pleasure because one you're getting the work done but you're getting it done in a more timely fashion and just learning stuff like that like my handle sculpting every time i do the faceted western i'm learning something different about how to control the belt so i can get the facets proper properly or when Mm -hmm. i'm grinding a blade i'm constantly playing with grinding a blade and every aspect it's i guess my biggest thing to try to get through to people is, is not to think that it's just like everybody's running around with in fields of flowers and rainbows when they're knife making. <laughs> it's it's hard work. It's hard work, but it's it's fulfilling work. And especially if you love digging into each and every part of the process, there it can be an an endless education and always op- always an opportunity to, for uh, greater fulfillment through the through the work. But the reason why people think that it's so easy is because they watch videos that are like 15, 20 minutes and they think, oh, I can do that. They don't realize that it takes, you know, it could take 20, 30 right. hours to make a knife. You know, they, 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 or even they, Forged and Fire, the whole right, six hour format. Right, right. It, there's a, there, it's, 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 a, it's strange. And I just wanted to say, Craig, you've got to get us a sponsorship with RhinoWet. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I will give them the best <laughs> commercial they have ever had. Down they're in Portugal. We got to do something because I I spend I spend like I got six hundred dollars of Rhino Wet on my shop table right now. Jeez, love that stuff. Well, you know we can't. I can't get it here in France. And just in the forums this week, Sandy put up a post asking, "Does anybody know where they can get in the UK?" So if there's any European distributors out there, get in touch. We all want some Rhino Wet. But it's crazy. It's made in Portugal. Yeah, we just can't get it here. I think it's shipped straight on a boat to the U.S. Oh so, my God! So, Craig, do you do you not have any at all? None at all. None at all. Oh, Jeff, I know so what you're I- sending along with those tongs. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> then he's going to be. But you have to use sandpaper. Like it doesn't cost anything. He's going to be like, oh, yeah. parsing it out like some sort of, hmm. you know, London, you know, liver during the the blitz. He's going to be rationing no. off his. <laughs> he's going to be rationing off his rhino wet. That's no way to. Dude, that's it's no cra- way to live. It's crazy. This. Uh, this. Stainless steel Woots knife that I'm working on right now. Even though it is incredibly wear resistant and one of the hardest blades I've ever had to hand sand out, I took it up to 1,200 grit and I didn't use more than four pieces per grit. The hard, at 400 grit, I used I think four or five little pieces of sandpaper, and then once I got that all laid out, then 600, 800, 1,000, 1,200 were all easy peasy, like two pieces of sandpaper each side. Yeah. Two little, little tiny, uh, what is it, like seven-eighths by uh, three-inch pieces, of strips of paper. 
I do a weird thing when I hand sand. Maybe I'll I'll post that up. But I I use my hand sanding stick. I use spray adhesive. I hate wasting sandpaper myself. And I know you say use it like it doesn't cost anything, but I hate wasting it. And so I cut it down into little strips and I spray adhesive them to a, a stick that I use for my hand sanding. That way, every single piece of surface area on that sandpaper gets used before I throw it away. Yeah, I I I usually cut them into two inch strips. I have a two inch sanding strip, and I wrap them around, and I'm just rotating it on the stick. So I don't. I don't there's yeah, no yeah. waste on my end. I'm with mm, you. Good. I'm with you. But I'm using <laughs> like Moreco. Uh, well, Moreco was until recently. I'm using 3M paper, and you know I'm using. I buy these standard sort of letter size sheets. You know, A4 whatever you want to call them. Right. Um, again, break them down to two inch strips. But I must be going through five or six sheets. Whoa. Per grit, per grit, you know, as I'm wait- making my way up, it can take hours and hours. So, man, Rhino Wet, get, oh, get yourself, get I yourself can, I can a base sh- in oh Europe God. where you can distribute from. This morning, this morning before we podcast, I went and I'm working on this, I don't know, they call it a Sukajiji or I don't know what the hell it's called, that long, a long night. Sujihiki. Right, that's what it's called. And <laughs> I... um. I went off the the I went off the disc grinder with 220. Oh no, I went off the disc grinder with 120 and then I started hand sanding at 220 and I one sheet of Rhino wet I changed the scratch pattern. One Dream. sheet of Wait, one, one, sheet. one full sheet? Yes. One full sheet? Yes, with ease. With ease. maybe even half right. a sheet. Maybe it was half a sheet. Okay. But like two 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 inch uh two two inch strips. I changed right. the, okay. the the pattern. Half a, half a sheet. I use one sheet for both sides. Yeah. Well, Rhino West, get in touch. Come on, Rhino West. Whilst, whilst we're talking about <laughs> Come on, uh, sponsors, um, let's talk about Soul Ceramics. Um, I know a few people within the forum have contacted them. They're ordering um, ovens, even heat ovens, using the discount code, which is Knife Talk, which is great. But for those who don't know about it, um, Soul Ceramics, they're an even heat distributor based in New York. They've got the best prices, bar none, best prices. But on top of these amazing prices, you can also get another $50 off by going to soulceramics.com forward slash Knife Talk. Knife Talk is the promo code that you need. And just as an example, the, the LB18, which I think... Jeff, have you got the LB18? Yes, sir. He has, he has. List price of them is just under $2,000, $1,965. From Soul Ceramics, you get it for $1,571, plus the extra $50 off. And so it's 20, 25% discount off the and list price. just real quick on the LB, the LB series doesn't have coils in the back. So if you're making culinary knives, you can put a longer knife in without worrying about the tip being too close to the coils. I love, if you're making culinary knives, the LB18 is awesome because now only the heat's coming from the sides. Yeah. And again, somebody in the forum was asking about that this week. I love it. You get, you guys got the fancy style. I got the uh, the KF Set Pro. Pretty uh, kind of on the the more basic end of the controllers. The thing still works great, though. I have the twenty two and a uh, half inch. Yeah, um, that's what I have. That's what I can, have. Yeah. Can I yeah. just add? Can I add to what Moreco's saying? He also is in a shop with four. It's four Forge and Fire champions, and they all got Paragon ovens. And there is a wall of four championship Paragon ovens. They all got all these ovens. They don't even know what to do. With, they don't even know who to use first. It's, you're all right. Well, it's like a pizza store. But the, it's like a pizza. The store. thing yeah, it's like crazy. It's like they're stacked on top of each other. Like they don't know what to do with them all. 
Well, but the thing I love about the heat or the even heat is there you go. Uh, there you go. They heat up so quick, so much quicker. The Paragon takes like two hours, and the even heat it comes up. I at least from my experience comes up way quicker. It only takes a couple minutes once it comes up to temperature to stabilize a little bit, and then you put your knives in, you're good to go. Um, but yeah, I think the even heat and I, I, the other thing about soul ceramics. So I was looking around, poking around on their website. They're totally committed to getting the lowest price to people. So if you somehow happen to find like, they do have really crazy low prices for the even heats, but if you somehow find a price somewhere else, they'll do a price match and then they'll probably still going to do that $50 on top of that. We'll, we'll see. So Yeah. But it's you probably don't really need to look anywhere else though. They really do have uh I did some poking around myself back and forth between a few different distributors and I from what it looks like they have they do have the best prices. There you go. Soul Ceramics. Soul Ceramics on Instagram and soulceramics.com. Craig's community showcase. Man, I love these jingles. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you like them too much. <laughs> you, you, do, you do a good job with them. Good, good. So we've got a community showcase this week, and I literally changed this this morning um, because Jeff pointed me in the direction of of this young maker. It's Paul Pinto, Paul Pinto one one two four on Instagram. Amazing stuff. He's eighteen. He's from Fairfield in Connecticut. Um, he's been doing a lot of woodwork in a metalwork sort of fabrication over the past maybe four or five years, but only blacksmithing for about a year and a half. And he's only made a handful of knives. And if you go and have a look at his Instagram, which is paulpinto1124, you'll see this progression. So I was looking at the dates of these knives that he'd made. So just in February, he's making these these sort of hunter, hunter knives, EDC knives, that kind of thing. And they're good. But geez, the latest knife he's put, he's put up the chef knife and it's, it's integral and he's got the Damascus flowing lovely from, oh, from the bolster. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. He's only 18 and what he's doing is just incredible. He's got a great YouTube channel as well, which I think is, well, if you, if you go to his Instagram, paulpinto1124, you will, you will have a link there to all his stuff. But go check it out. This guy is Yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah, he's incredible. a beast. He's a, he incredible. listens to our podcast. He likes knife talk. He's a good guy. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, obviously, he's a good guy if he likes the podcast. I know some <laughs> bad guys who listen to our podcast too. So, mm. fine. <laughs> so that's this week's community showcase. <laughs> oh yeah, I just pulled him up. Look at that. That's a good looking knife. He's not far from me too. I should try to get him to come up to the shop. That's it. Well, there you go. Connections are made. Every podcast. Paul, come up to the shop. Dragon's Breath Forge. <laughs> hey man. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> I don't think I like him better. I don't think I like him better than Jay Z. I think I like Jay Z better. Jay Z was snappy. Hey man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah, that one's better. That one's better. That one's better. <laughs> I got a question for you, Craig. What do you got coming up this week that that you're excited about or nervous about? Same for you, Jeff. Um, I've just had a really a very nice inquiry from um from a restaurant um and they want we talked about this briefly a couple of weeks ago when we i was sort of pitching the work to them um but that's come through so i'll be doing some resin handled steak knives um and they actually want to use vegetables from their garden within the handle 
So I've been doing a fair bit of research on this, and it's it's possible it requires stabilising and lots of other little little things. Um, so we're going to be using a, a wooden liner, so just a, a, a three mil um, slither of wood as a liner against okay. the tang. Um, there's going to be almost like a bolster both sides, so at the at, at the butt end and uh, and, the, and the further end of the handle in the middle. A, a metal bolster or a no metal wood. bolster? Or wood? It's, it's going to be okay, wood. It's so going to be all wood. Okay. Basically, the reason they are there is so the the pins can go in without having to be able to see the pins through the resin. Sure. sure. So there'll be this resin float in the middle. And there they're going to have their, their seasonal vegetables. So they're going to have a set of knives for each season, each showing different vegetables. Um, so that that's, sounds cool. Yeah, it's something very new for me. So that's really exciting. So there's been lots of research going on. I've still got lots to do. So, the, yeah, that's going to take up a lot of this week. So I'm pretty pumped for that. I'm mm. excited for you. I can't wait to see that. Very cool. Mm. Very Jeff, cool. what do you got going on? I'm what do you got coming to, I'm, tr- I'm in, like, production mode. I have uh, – I'm uh, – I'm working. I'm trying to finish the Cuban knives. I want to get them out the first week of November. So, Carl is finished sanding the uh, the knives, and I'm prepping the handles so we can put all 36 together. I'm hoping to put all 36 together this week, and then I want to start carving by the end of next week. Uh, on the end of this coming week, so I want to get them out the door. I want to get these things. I can get my life back together. And we're carving. Like, what do you mean carving? Shaping the handles? Well, I mean, yeah, shaping the, I call it carving. Okay. It's like shaping the handles, okay. yeah. I, I, I go big and then, you know, like you, I just, you know, it's a little different. So, and then uh, my business partner and I were talking about some things we're going to be doing in the future, which is exciting and nervous making. And we're just trying to like, Ooh. you know, get ahead of, get ahead of the business instead of just kind of reacting all the time. So after right. Christmas, we're going to, we're going to ch- kind of change the way we, we, we're going to take a little break and try to focus on doing more retail stuff. Versus, you know, we're just mm. fielding, we're just feel, we're, I hate being on my back foot with customers and I hate being on the back foot and I want to have stuff available. So we're going to start this new, we're going to start implementing this new program where I'm going to be doing two weeks of custom work and then two weeks of uh, work for the shop. So we're going to be blackening, uh, doing some blackout days in our future right. so we can i can spend i can be more efficient in terms of working on custom stuff but also working on stuff that we can sell directly from the website yep. so it's nervous making it. it's a little nervous making but it's at the same time it's like you know we've been for the past you know three years all we've been doing is you know you're you're on your back foot and fielding fielding stuff and you don't have stuff you know available and i don't you need to fix that yep tony's okay. on that tony's on that Mareko, what about yourself? What's what's coming up this week? I gotta finish this damn knife and get it out. I got I got some uh, I got some interesting patterns. I'm gonna be playing with, so I get back in the forge and under the hammers and start forging out some new mosaic patterns. I have a customer that is just really wanting me to just let loose and do whatever essentially, and try to create the craziest, coolest work that I've ever done. So that's it. It's a there's a little pressure. I feel a little pressure when it comes to that. There's there's kind of when it comes to the custom orders, there's a little bit of freedom in the restrictions when customers say I want this particular profile, I want this particular such and such and so on. You don't have to really think about the build. But when it comes to I I I struggle when it I'm building something for somebody else, but it's something that I want. Um I don't know. I struggle with that. If I, if I'm just building it for fun, that's a totally different question, but if somebody's going to be buying it, then I'm like 
ooh, are they going to like it? I don't know. Pressure. And I have well, to. Pressure, yeah. But that's the artist's mind. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, is when you're making, when you're, when you're, and I hate to say that we're artists. I really, well, someday we're going to talk about the difference know, between artists. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it and I hate it. But I will say when I was a sculptor and I was making my own work, I was more, you know, you feel more vulnerable to criticism because it's in your mind you think it's a criticism of your decision making as opposed to when mm. you do a when you do a commission when I would do commission sculpture and it would be sculpture that you know they wanted a bird a specific bird and I'd do it I'd be like all right well that's what the goddamn bird looks like as opposed to this is my interpretation <laughs> of what I'm doing you're a little bit right. more vulnerable in that position because you you mentally think that you're being judged based on your decisions yeah mm. yeah. yeah that's probably it well there you go Okay, we're going to wrap up soon. There's a couple of things to talk about, and we do have one more item, a new item which we're going to do each week. Um, but first of all, I want to tell you about the t- Knife Talk t-shirts. They're oh, now available, yeah. yes. free international shipping, and it's the new brand. It's the new branded uh, Knife Talk stuff on there. Um, they're available from chopknives.com. Uh, I say free international shipping. That's going to be for a limited time, uh, so get your orders in. They come Yeah, in get in now. A very sexy black and an even more sexy moonlight navy. Oh, have oh, mercy! Girl. Have mercy! I'm ready for. I'm re- I'm an XL. I'm an XL. Just to let you know, if anybody wants to buy me one, I'm an XL. <laughs> too. I'm sure we can sort we can sort some out for you <laughs> all right, guys. All right, all right. But we've got a new section coming up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you got to play that again. I missed it. You got to you got to guess what's been said left. at the end, and extra points if you guess where the I've taken the audio from. Well, that's 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 my generation. That's where's the beef? That was the uh, that old commercial where that old lady used to be angry that she'd open up the burger pad. I think it was McDonald's or, or Burger King and Wendy's. It's Wendy's. It was Wendy's. Apparently so. Apparently Wendy's. So. Where's the yeah, beef? From, the from Wendy's. I don't think it was yeah, Wendy's. Well, I, I think they're saying "What's your beef?" as opposed to "Where's the beef?" But, oh, uh, so they so the original one was "Where's the beef?" and it was that's uh, fine. It, what, whatever. I, I love <laughs> I love it. I'm, all right. So, what's your beef? <laughs> my beef. <laughs> my beef this week, and it, I've spent so much time looking for remote controls. Those tiny, mm. tiny remote control. Apple TV have a tiny one. My uh, Amazon box has a tiny, tiny remote control. And I'm fed up of pulling off all of the uh, the cushions from the sofas, from the chairs, looking for these, <laughs> these bloody remotes. So, I mean, they spend billions and billions on research. And des- Apple will spend billions on design research for these things. They've, I think they all live in these like ultra-modern apartments where everything's just you know completely modernist and they've got no comfort. But if you've got a cushion in your house, that's where your Apple TV remote is going to be. So, <laughs> they did you find it? Up. I did, I did. But they've been winding me okay. up this week. That's that's my beef, and I think we need this little section each week as a little therapy. Yeah, what's been bugging us? Little bitching and moaning. Little bitching. Did you find? Uh, did you find it in the fr- fridge when you were getting a beer out? <laughs> well, you know, my my wife's heavily, heavily pregnant at the moment, and she talks about baby brain where she's forgetting things. Um, but I'm getting the symptoms too. My belly's gone oh, it's a, bigger. It's a real thing. I'm oh, forgetting yeah. things. <laughs> I gained weight when my wife was pregnant. I definitely oh, I yeah. got sympathy weight for sure. Oh yeah. I got so that Jeff. Too. 
Well, as you probably would imagine, I have a lot of beef, but I, 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 it was, I have professional beef and I have personal beef. And today I'm going to go with personal beef. So I, I think that I've established that what I like to do in the mornings and the evenings is I like to walk my dogs. And the reason why, well, you have to walk your dogs, but the one thing is, is that's where I clear my mind. That's where I kind of like in the morning, I kind of envision what I have to do for the day. I give myself short-term and long-term goals. So the walking the dogs for me has been very important. So one evening this week, I was walking the dogs and I got a call from my buddy, Jesse Savage, who is the black is the host of the Blacksmith's Pub with uh, Rick Barter. And now I can announce that they're, they interviewed Jesse James of West Coast Choppers Whoa. and uh, Jesse James Cutlery. And they had a great interview with him. And I helped write some of the questions and they had awesome. It was great. I was talking to him and I put my phone in my pocket and I was walking the dogs. And this son of a bitch in the park let his dog loose and it was this big stupid brown dog and here's the problem this is my beef my beef is is people think that their dogs are so fucking smart and they're so great (laughs) but what happens is is when they see and i don't want to hear from jonathan porter i don't at mention me and you're going to send me a doghouse forge you're going to send me all these messages just leave it alone just listen to me and leave it alone you have a great dog these people think that their dogs are so goddamn smart. But what the problem is, is I don't think my dogs are that smart. So what happens is, is these dogs come cra- crashing through and then my dog starts screaming on the leash and they're afraid on the leash. Then their dog starts getting mad. And then, then what happens is, is the guy tries to call his dog back, but it's, you can tell I'm getting angry because the dog's not coming. And then all of a sudden my dogs start barking at each other. And then the little one starts biting. And then they're all around me. And all I can say to this goddamn fucker is what the fuck am I supposed to do here? You got to put your dog on the goddamn leash. So my, my <laughs> put your dog on the goddamn leash. I don't know what to tell you. You're a grown up. You're a grown man. You shouldn't you shouldn't be dealing with this. You shouldn't be putting your your fucking dog in my life. I don't want your dog in my life. I barely want my dogs in my life. Leave me alone. I'm trying to have this incredible. I'm trying to figure something out here, and you're fucking me up with your fucking dogs. Leave me alone. There's my beef. You wanted to be and relax and relax. Yeah, you, I, that was a crescendo right there. That shit was so. <laughs> they're entity now. I'm mad right now. <sighs> but I think I think Morocco is too polite to have a beef. But let's see. Where's the beef? I got lots of beefs. I keep it. I keep it tight. Um, but I, this this week's beef. Uh, or the first, whatever. Anyway, first beef. Uh, I can't think. I need first more coffee. Uh, first beef, inaugural beef. Uh, okay, so when I, there are all these great handle material providers, purveyors online, I'm not going to call anybody out because they kind of all do this shit, and it drives me nuts. They have the scales split because you have to split them, especially for a full tang knife. Go on either side of the knife. Great. But when they display the scales, they're showing the book match, the cut. The cut was made down the middle of the block. Then they open it up and they're like, oh, cool. There's this mirror image of this pattern. But what drives me fucking crazy is that ends up on the inside. Why the fuck are you showing me that when that's going to end up against the tang? If you're, if, and, you know, a lot of people have different approaches. I've had people say, oh, just put those on the outside. And here's the problem. I do a lot of contouring on my handles. And anytime you start grinding through the material, it's going to start changing the way that presents. And so I always have the middle where the cut was 
against the tang. So when you're looking at the spine or the belly, the grain flows seamlessly or almost seamlessly straight from one side into the other. Uh, but the problem, the thing that drives me bonkers about looking around at all of these, because it's misleading, is that they show the inside of the handle instead of the outside of the handle, which is going to end up being seen. I they show the inside finally that figured out hidden. what you were saying. So they're what they're showing you when they book match them together. That's the inside of the goddamn wood. That would make me furious. It's bon- they all do it. They all and I'm sorry. I'm like probably blasting out the microphone. They all do it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Stop showing me that. Show me the outside, the side, the part of the handle that's going to be viewed by everybody who touches it or looks at it. You're showing me the inside. That's completely worthless and pointless to me because that's going to be hidden. That's going to be closed up. It's going to have glue and tang all stuck to it. It doesn't matter. I want to see the outside of the handle. Get me mad. You're getting me mad. I think that's it. We're going to end on this really negative point this week. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Oh, I feel so much better though. I think it's a good. Fine. I think it's a good note to end on. Well, finally fine. got that out. Fine. Yeah, we we we'll all have a good weekend. We're all we're all calm and zen and calm. Yeah. God, so, he just sent me a text while we were recording. He sent me a very nice little text. He took a he took a picture of the the knife he was sanding, and he says, "I just wanted you to see the picture of the nice hand sanded knife I did." He just he just sent it to me just now. Love that kid. We all love Carl. We all yeah. Fucking we all Carl. Need a Carl. We all need a Carl. We all need a Carl. So, you can't have mine. <laughs> reminder of the the forum at forum.knifetalk.net. Reminder that T-shirts are on sale from ChopKnives.com. Reminder of a discount from Soul Ceramics on an even heat, um, which yeah. is uh, SoulCeramics.com forward slash Knife Talk. Um, any questions you have for us next week? We may we may well have a very different kind of show next week. All right, don't say um, anything else. Let's keep your mouth shut. Let, 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 them, let them live on that one. Yeah, live well, on that it's one. It's still a live fresh on that show. One. We're, you know, we're still working things out, so who knows what's going to happen. Well, we're, I who think knows? that ultimately every, one, every episode is getting better and better, and we're working on our chemistry, and we're working it out, and I think it's going well. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. I have no so, beef with this show. No beef. <laughs> Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and you know, ultimately we're doing this for you guys, the listeners. Yeah, so what's your beef? If we can make it better, we'll be trying our hardest. Yeah, what's your beef, you fuckers? Let's hear it. We, we, you know? <laughs> Should we finish on we... that? Yeah. What's your, what's your beef, you fuckers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye, you fuckers. Oh, don't forget to subscribe. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.